Hey, how you going guys? Yeah, this one's Max Egan again, about an hour and a half. Um, this is an interview we had about Christchurch um, on the um, cover-up about it over in New Zealand there. Uh, the gentleman that presents it was, um, he's had a takedown notice in early, he says 24, I think he might have meant 23. Uh, the New Zealand government demanded that I remove my conversation that I'm about to play above and has included all sorts of threats should I not comply. So we don't like to hear these sort of things, so we like to get the word out, guys. That's what we do around here. That's what we bloody do. Something is very wrong with the official story, hence the cover-up. Here's my conversation, gentlemen, that's interviewing, including slideshow that you cannot see with Maxwell Egan. Enjoy this presentation, guys, and see if we can connect some more dots to all this insanity of Christchurch. Christchurch Revisited. Welcome to the room. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Sorry about the noise in the background there. If you can hear it, just cooking away there. Yeah, a bit of meat and bloody um, some nice lamb chops. So hopefully it's not too annoying. Let's see how we go. Let's rock and roll. Christchurch. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Max Egan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. It's a pleasure to be here, brother. How is the information war treating you? Well, it's the way it's the same way it's treating everybody, I think. I mean, um, everybody's getting shut down, everybody's getting corralled and, and moved over into echo chambers. You know, the way we're all being kicked off Bitchute and kicked off Facebook and kicked off pretty well everywhere. Um, when I moved to Mexico, they weren't terribly happy that I'd, I'd kind of moved right under their noses just before they were going to come and see me because they came to see me like 10 days after I left. And so they shut all my bank accounts down and all of that sort of stuff. So it's been a little touch and go. But uh, overall, I mean, I think the, uh, the universe wants me to do what I'm doing because it's provided the means for me to continue to do so. So, you know, all in all, it's... Uh, yeah, it just is what it is. It's working out. Sorry about the camera moving. But, uh, all in all, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's working out. I mean, we do what we, we do because it needs to be done. And um, I'm of the attitude that, like, it's not a career for me. It's not uh, any of that sort of stuff. It's not like I have a business to run or anything like that. I'm, I'm just offering an opinion. And I think it's important for people to hear it because of the, the state of the world. Um, and we're just trying to get this work done because uh, I think the uh, the human existence is very much threatened by what is happening. And if people don't wake up to that, we're not going to have much of a human existence left. So that's why I do what I do because it needs to be done. And I think that I've always said, like when I started this, I think if my heart's in the right place and I'm continuing to move forward with that type of motivation, you know, not doing it for self-centered reasons or anything, but doing it because it needs to be done and just following the breadcrumbs where they lead me, then the universe will provide. As long as I stay on the right track, the universe will ground me, God, whatever you want to call it, will ground me and keep me on the right track and just keep the message going. So in that perspective, everything's going great here because uh, I, I arrived in a foreign country. They shut all my bank accounts down. They just completely cut me off all social media and everything. And here I am 15 months later and I'm, actually thriving so yeah the mexicans cut 
cut your your bank accounts. Is that right? No, the Australian bank accounts. My Australian oh. bank accounts. When I when I left the country and came over here, Isn't they cut it? my bank accounts. They shut my Patreon subscriber page. They uh, they went to visit my my relatives in Australia. The police looking for me, telling them I was I was threatening to kill police. We need to find him because he's threatening to kill police, which is complete load of rubbish. And uh, recently, we've seen that false flag in Australia, where a couple of guys killed a couple of cops and blah blah blah. I'm pretty sure they had something like that set up for me. And it would have been much better for them if they'd been able to do it to me because of all of my contacts of the entire resistance in Australia. And if they could have painted me with that brush and they would have been able to paint everybody in the resistance in Australia with that same brush and probably gone and picked all of them up. So, And, you know, when I look at it, it would have made perfect sense for them to run it that way. So I think they were a little annoyed when I left right under their noses like two weeks before they actually came looking for me. I just did it intuitively. I just had this feeling I've got to get out of the country. Mm. So I left, and then all of this shit happened after I left. So... And, uh, yeah, so when I got here, like I said, they shut down my, my means of income. They shut down my Patreon. They shut down my bank accounts. Shut down everything and kicked me off whatever I was left on on social media. Like, I've been kicked off, like, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, LinkedIn, um, iHeart, iTunes, uh, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, like, pretty well everything. Um, they let me back on Twitter not long ago, like, about a year ago, they reinstated my Twitter account. I don't know why. Perhaps they're data mining. But uh, it's only that that's the only mainstream media account I've, I've got anymore is Twitter. So, yeah, so uh, I'm doing well considering all that. I mean, I've, I've kind of landed on my feet here. I've developed a, a good relationship with a lot of the locals and uh, everything's working out. Isn't that so ironic, though, Max, that the places you traditionally wouldn't think would allow you to speak freely turn out to be the exact places and I mean Australia and New Zealand and the US are supposed to be bastions of free speech <laughs> yeah that's, that's what the media tells us that's what the television tells us what do you make of Elon oh I think he's part of the play he's part of the game he, he's, he's just put there to do what he's doing I mean he didn't He's not an entrepreneur. He didn't just make himself a billionaire out of nowhere. His father ran an emerald mine and all that sort of shit. Very rich family. Um, he's just a puppet. He's a figurehead. He's the, the boy that's playing both sides. He's saying hey, how dangerous AI is, but he's funding the whole thing. Um, he he's, does crazy things, like, you know, buys Twitter and then dresses up as Baphomet. And, <laughs> and people say he's buying Twitter because he'll reinstate free speech. No, it's, Twitter's a, a data fest it's a data mining thing the whole tesla car company running these uh, electric cars and he didn't start paypal he didn't do any of the stuff that he said he did so he's just in there he's just a face to do what he's you know what they want him to do he's a great distraction for people he plays both sides of the fence you know he's sending his car into space and saying it's, you can see how real it is because it looks so fake i mean what sort of a statement is that to say so you send it to space did you Elon? yeah no worries okay yeah we can believe that and um, now, like with this whole Tesla and electric car thing, they're really pushing the Tesla stuff. And the, the electric cars are exploding all over the place, catching fire everywhere, falling apart completely. So 
Nobody's going to want to buy these things, so that whole business is going to collapse, and they're not going to. They want to bring in these 15-minute cities and all this sort of stuff. So you're not even going to need a car. You're just being a little 15-minute zone. You can use the government-designated electric transport for that. So they're going to sort of milk all the wealth out of people buying electric cars and doing all this stuff, and then they're all going to be seen to fail. They're going to be useless. They won't start in the snow. They won't start in the cold. There's so much stuff they don't do. So he's just this big distraction. And he'll, he'll be portrayed as, oh, my God, look, he's just lost billions. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're all part of the club. They're all connected to the same people. It doesn't matter how much they make or lose. It's all just numbers. It's all fictional. He's absolutely part of the play. When we talk about the Christchurch shooting, why is it an important conversation? It's an important conversation because, as I said when the shooting happened, um, with all the mass shootings that we see, the, the Christchurch shooting is different. The Christchurch shooting sparked the beginning of the final move of the end game. That's what I said when it happened. I just said to everybody, this is, this is different. And if you can think of the end game, if you can think of the 9-11 attacks in, uh, in uh, New York as being the beginning, the first move of the, of the final move of the end game, the Christchurch shooting was the first move of the final move of the end game. That was the beginning. That was the, this is the final one. And the shooter's video, when the shooter's video came out, um, there was a lot of talk that this was, was all fake. Oh, it's all CGI. Like within three hours of the video being streamed live, it, it, people were saying this is all fake. The bullets are CGI. Nobody died. They're all, they're all dummies. They were stacked in the corner before the shooter walked in. And that's why the video is banned. And it got banned like later that day, I think, or pretty well instantly banned. And uh, I, I thought, I was excited. I thought, wow, we've actually got all this on video. I want to check this out, you know, because this is a great, great if we've actually got that. And I started looking at the video and I found I couldn't confirm anything that was being claimed about fakery. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. You can look at it that way or you can... And if you go looking at something with confirmation bias, you'll always find stuff to back up what you, you believe. So... I was just kind of looking at the whole thing. I thought, well, hang on, I can't conclusively prove any of these claims that have been made. Sure, the shell casings are disappearing in mid-frame. That's because of the speed they're going. It's a grainy old film here. It's been live-streamed. Obviously, it's a high-definition camera, and the camera's producing too many too many packets of information for the stream to be able to keep up with it. So it's, it's just chopping it all up and just giving you what it can to get create a good, smooth stream, you know, which is why a lot of those live-stream um, videos always look so blotchy, you know. So I'm saying, well, okay, the, the shell casings are disappearing in thin air, but I'm seeing them all landing on the ground. I'm seeing the, the ground change. They're all landing in the leaves by the gate and stuff. So I, I went through and I started to, like, disprove every claim that was being made, that was being seen as a conclusive proof. No, and it's not conclusive proof. It, it's a possibility. But actually, I've done a lot of CGI work, and if you were going to create something in CGI, it would actually look a lot better than this. You wouldn't have all these things dropping out of frame. You'd make sure it looked real, you know. So this is this is bandwidth, you know. And so because of that, I started thinking, well, what is it? Why do they want us focused on this? What, what actually is going on? What else is going on? I started looking around in our peripheral vision of what was happening on the video. And I saw extra players. I saw a car that left halfway through the shooting. I saw all of this stuff going on that they don't want you to look at and which completely blows the official narrative out of the water. And I started to realize that with the, the Christchurch shooters video, 
you don't need to argue whether it's it's real or fake or whether anything. You don't need to argue anything. All you got to do is look at the official narrative, which says this was a lone gunman going and killing all these people at mosque. That that is the official narrative. A lone gunman. When you look at the video, there's a guy in red running around. There's a car that leaves halfway through. There's all this sort of stuff going on. So it blows the official narrative completely out of the water. It was a lone gunman, was it? Okay, well, who are these people? Who's this guy in red standing out of the fence? There's one particular instance where he runs out. I'll show you. How do I share the screen here? When he runs out to this, the, the building there, there's two women that are running away. And this isn't the best shot. I mean, I could actually get open the movie and I could show you in the whole movie. Actually, I'll do that. That's going to be even better because it's, it shows it even better what happened. Look at this video. There's a scene where he runs out the front and he shoots a woman out the front. You remember that scene? Mm. Oops, sorry. Showing a lot of gruesome stuff here. No, that's all right. And that's that scene there. Now, I want you to look at this. Just, just I'm going to show you a little bit of what's going on here. Um, and have a look at this. What is actually going on? Now, hey, where is where is standing? I'll pull the, the volume down so you don't have to listen to it. How do I do that? What am I doing? Sorry, I'm a little bit disorganised. I'm not used to doing this sort of stuff live. That's um, fine. It's fine. I'll chop it up so that it looks neat. Have a look at this. Have a look at this. Uh, these actions here. Now he's standing in the room here. And he runs. You see what he's doing? He's just standing there in the thing, and then he starts to run. He doesn't walk. He runs. In the middle of all, do all this, doing all this stuff, standing here, and he runs down the hall. Doesn't walk. He runs. And as he runs, he catches those two women over there running out of the gate here. You see that? Mm-hmm. Catches those two women. So why did he stop what he was doing and run? That's a question people have to ask. He ran because someone told him that there were people escaping. Now, look at this. He shoots one woman and the other one runs off up the street and gets away. But watch this. Now, look at that wall there. There's nobody against that wall. That's a clean wall. And it takes six seconds for him to run out to the gate, okay? Six seconds. Watch this. And turn. Who's that standing at the wall there? Oh, wow. That guy ran out with him in six seconds. That guy was not standing at the wall before. Go back. Go back. Okay. Oh, right. So the wall's empty. The wall's empty. There's nobody there. And he runs to the gate, and as he's running to the gate, someone is running along the wall. A man dressed all in red, almost looks like a red raincoat. He's got a red hoodie. He's, he's got red pants, red. It looks like a red raincoat with a hoodie is what the guy looks like. You, you have a quick look at this. I can, um, I might better just go. Hold on, Max. So is he, is he off the screen to the left? He's to the left. This wall here, he's looking, he's running out here to the gate. Yeah. And the guy appears to the left. You watch this. 
See that? And there he is. There he is. All red. What? Okay, so who who might See that, that be? Well, he's a handler. This is the guy who would have alerted him to the fact that there were people running out the gate. Now he shoots this woman. And then he goes here. And then look, the guy's gone. He's, he's run back. Mm. There's nobody at that wall now. You watch. See? So he's gone. But when he gets to the gate here, he spins around. There's the guy standing there next to the tree. There he is. You see? Mm. He's run back because there's a tree there next to the building. The guy's run back from the wall. Now he's standing next to the tree. It's the same guy. So if this was... A lone gunman acting alone. Who's this guy? And if he was there to kill all these people, well, why didn't he shoot the guy <laughs> standing against the wall? Could it said I'm saying? Could it? I know it's a, obviously a stupid question, but could that person have been one of the innocent people trying to find a way out and decided to change his mind halfway? He was in full view. We saw him on the camera. Mm. What, what made the shooter run? What made the shooter run to begin with? And this didn't just happen just once. There was a scene. There's other scenes in the movie when he's in the on, in the in the film where he's in the in the middle of the hall, and he stops what he's doing and he runs. He does this like at least three times. There was there was three instances where people were escaping from the mosque. And each time they were, he, he ran from what he was doing to a point that was out of his field of view at the, at the beginning. He knew where to run to, and he knew when there was someone escaping. Mm. Someone was telling him. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of other evidence. There's a car that was, that was seen, a, a, a turquoise car that was seen. There's, there's a, a woman that stops on the side of the road, like back where we were there. Well, the official story is there was a guy basically who hated Muslims, came, he did a whole bunch of training, armed himself up, went to a mosque, shot up a whole bunch of people, acted alone. Right, and he was arrested, and this genuinely happened. People died. Well, the point is that I would say they did. I believe they did, but I can't prove that. There's a lot of people who say they didn't, but, of course, they can't prove that either. You know, a lot of the, the things that they're using for evidence, you know, I've actually disproven. I mean, they say all the, the bodies were piled up in the corner when you went in. No, they weren't. There's actually movement. You can go and look at the video. When he first gets a, a, a call that there's someone escaping, like when he comes to the mosque, this car is here. This is a, a silver Toyota Will VS, registration number FQH875. We go through, as he's shooting people inside, there's one point where he runs out, and again, he, he gets a call. He's standing here in the mosque, and I know, like, I'm probably going to get in trouble showing some of this footage, but I think it's, it's important that people see what's going on here. But he's standing there in the mosque. He's reloading his gun, and he stops what he's doing, 
and he runs. Again, he runs. Oh, here it is here. That's right, he's loading this gun. And he runs outside. Runs outside and he points his gun at this car. Right there, that silver Toyota Will VS. And he doesn't shoot at it. And he runs out the front. And he shoots this guy that's running away down the road there. Now, you can see here. Oh, sorry, wrong button. Oh, fuck, I keep doing that. Why? You can see right here, there's someone escaping through the gate there. Police people say, I ran out and shot someone down the road. There's nobody there. Yeah, there is. There's a guy right there, and you can see that black shape of him actually escaping through that gate. Now, that guy, look where he was. He was in the center of the mosque in that back room. How did he know there was someone running out and getting through that? And he had to run, stop what he was doing. He was standing in the hallway in the center of the mosque. He didn't walk out there and just see what was going on. He ran to catch someone who was leaving. Who told him someone was leaving? It had to, be, had to have been someone around that side of the mosque who told him that that person was leaving. Uh, so he runs out here. He, he didn't get him. He runs out the gate and he shoots him out, out there. Now, you go on a little bit further in the video and he goes to the car to collect gasoline. He wants to burn the mosque down. And he was all being triggered by sound and light. I mean, there was there was a soundtrack going out, a Bluetooth speaker attached to his outfit that you see in the beginning of the video when he's lighting himself up and strapping himself into the car and putting his helmet on. He actually looks down and you can see a, a, one of those round Bluetooth speakers on his... Uh, so he had a soundtrack that was, that was doing it as well. Oh, reeks of Tavistock, this whole thing. But anyway, so he goes to the car to pull out the fuel. Now I could show you, I don't know if I've got it here in this folder. He's getting the fuel out of the car here and he picks it up, throws that gas. He doesn't care. He knows he's all good. He doesn't care. He lifts his car door open and all that stuff. So he picks the fuel up and he's going to go back in. And then suddenly he drops it and he runs. He looks the wrong way. And then he runs, runs to the other side of the compound and catches a guy or three guys right there escaping from that corner of the compound, which is the opposite corner from where he's standing. He had his car, he had a wall, he had the mosque, all between him and this person. And he ran. He ran from where he was, dropped the fuel and ran. And knew exactly where to go. Looked in the wrong direction to start with. Someone's gone, no, turn around, wrong, wrong corner, wrong way. So he's run and he's caught. And people say, oh, he shot nothing down there. It's actually three people. If you go in frame by frame and you zoom in, you can see three bodies actually fall on the ground there. So who told him to run and catch that person? That's the also. third time that he ran and caught the person. And an interesting thing here is that how, how he, when he went out to shoot the first guy, he points, the, he points the gun at the car, but he doesn't shoot the guy in the car. Now, this car, this silver Toyota Will VS, he runs out here. There it is there. There's that silver car mm. right there. He points it, he's pointing at it. This car 
And look at the position of the car. Look where it is in regard to this post. We can go back to the start of the, of the video or the start of his arrival at the mosque. We can see that um, where that car's parked as he walks in. You watch this, where the car is parked. You see that? That's still in that same position. As he comes out here where we were before, he comes out and he looks at that car. It's still in the same position. As he goes out and he shoots the guy down the street there, then he goes back to the car to collect the fuel. Then he comes back and he shoots the, he, he shoots the guy down that corner there. As he's running back there, he's getting the fuel. You watch this. Now, this is in full view of him. They're in full view of each other. That car had occupants. And they saw the shooter. The shooter saw them. And now he puts down the fuel, does all this stuff. Puts the fuel down, runs back there. Looks the wrong way. Runs down to... Now, you look at this. He glances at the car. The car's already started to move. The car is actually driving away right now. And he's looking at it. And the car is looking at him. You look also here, as he's running down the street here, you notice an orange traffic cone. See that? Mm. On the road there, that orange cone is standing. Still standing. It's been there the whole time. Glances at the car. Car's already started to move. He runs down here. He shoots these guys down the alley, these three guys down here. Then he says, looks like we don't get to burn today, boys. And he says that because the song he's listening to, I would suspect he says it because the song he's listening to is running out and he's being run by a soundtrack. This car here also, this um, turquoise-looking aqua car, whatever you want to call it, this car drove past him on the way as well. And when he stopped, he stopped on the side of the road and this car drove past him. I would suggest, I speculate, that that is one of the, the minders, that is one of the watchers, that was who was alerting him, that there were people escaping from this corner and from that corner. Um, and now as he runs back in, he says, we don't get, don't get to burn today, boys, because when he gets in his car and drives away, the old song Arthur Brown Fire starts on his Bluetooth. He's got to be listening to that song. The mosque is supposed to be burning. That's when he gets in the car and drives to the next place. He's running on mind control, I would suggest, but I'm speculating with this. So let's just stick to the facts. That car we just looked at was starting to move when he ran past the gate. Now he runs back in there. Look at this. See that? That car is gone. That car was parked right here, and now it's gone. Sure. And as he glances... No, he doesn't glance, but he, as he comes out the next time, when he comes out of the mosque again, he exits the mosque to shoot that woman when he's, he's running he's running down to the... And, you know, there's that guy under the gate. But as he's running out, see the traffic cone? It's been knocked down. That's as he's running out to shoot the girl to the gate. And there's that blank wall again, blank wall, takes six seconds to run out there, and there's a guy in red. Gee. The, the official narrative is this is a lone gunman. This is not a lone gunman. If it's a lone gunman, who the fuck are these people?
That's a valid question. And for saying that, I got told, oh, I'm, I'm distracting. I'm creating a smokescreen around the fact that, oh, no, this is all CGI. It's all fake. He's trying to, he's trying to misdirect you. No, <laughs> claim that it's all fake and you should be arguing over whether shell casings are disappearing because of bandwidth or whatever is irrelevant. That's the smokescreen. The reason the video was banned, because you can see all the extra players. This video blows the New Zealand government. It blows the world mainstream media, blows all of them out of the water. And I said, this, this video is going to bring about mass censorship on Facebook. We're going to get all kicked off all of our platforms. And if we do not run with this and show what just happened, I expect the world to be in lockdown within 12 to 18 months. And I said that in March 2019. And the world went into lockdown in March 2020, almost to the day. You know? And I, I've been, I got vilified, I got attacked, I got all sorts of stuff for pointing this out. And there was even people, like I said to people, the most important frame in this entire video mm. is when he runs out and he looks at the car. Yes. And we see the number plate of the car. The number plate of the car, which is FQH875. So significant that that there was someone in the car that he came out and pointed the gun at. That was yes. literally someone was in the car, and he didn't shoot him. He ran out and shot the guy. Then, as he was running back, that car was moving. That's the first time it moved from that spot. Was when he was running, when he was put the fuel back in the car, and he took off. And we saw them. We saw that car moving, right, as he, as he glanced at it. And they glanced at each other. He looked at that car as it was moving. Now, if you were there to shoot all the people and there was someone driving away in a car, I mean, come on, you're running out to perimeters to shoot people escaping over fences. You're going to let a couple of dudes in a car just drive out in the main gate? You're there to kill everybody? Seriously? You know? This doesn't make sense. And then there's a news reporter. Thank God for the news, eh? You've got to love the mainstream media. Look what they gave us. The mainstream media at this video... Witness you know, the, the guy that you see escape, a, a guy who escaped the mosque halfway through the shooting. You go to this video, and halfway through the video, at 1 minute and 14 seconds through the video, you watch what happens. They, they just segues for a nice little, you know, image shot, you know, a narrative shot of a police roadblock. And here is, this is the guy who escaped. So we switch to the roadblock, switch to the uh, stock footage, and look what they use. There's the police cars. There's that car, FQH875 Will VS, being waved directly through a police roadblock. Just go straight through, mate. Nothing to see here. Go back. Here. Go back. I want to just make That's sure. That's the same car. That's the car that leaves the mosque. There it is being waved through a police roadblock. Look at it. Same car. When you pause that and you get the number plate, it's the same plate. It's hard to see on this grainy footage, but you can, if you really look hard enough at the plate, I'll make this full screen. Have a look at this. FQH875. That's the car. Silver Toyota Will VS FQH875 being waved through a police roadblock later in the day, probably right after it left the mosque. Do you think they would have known that? Well, the media probably wouldn't. The media is just there getting some nice stock footage. 
What are the chances? Did they just happen to use that little piece of footage and put on their news report? Because that's the same car. And when you track that car, that car was actually traced to a place in, in um, uh, New Zealand in Christchurch. And you can, uh, you can see it actually parked out the front on Google Earth of this house. I put out a video, which I believe you're going to put on the end of this, called Christchurch, the Indisputable Facts. Because I haven't got access to my big computer at the moment. I'm kind of like I've got stuff all over the place and you know, stuff in Australia and stuff still here. But um, that particular place was registered to a business called uh, Albanani or Al Alabani Limited. And the, the, the owner of the car is Mr. Alabani, who is also one of the proprietors of the mosque, who also gave an interview saying that he was one of the people trapped in the corner and couldn't get out because the door lock wouldn't work or whatever. Well, he, didn't, he didn't mention the door lock didn't work, but he just said he was trapped in the corner and the door wouldn't open. But there we've got his car parked out the front. The shooter comes, points a gun at it, doesn't do anything, and then he drives the car. Well, that car drives away halfway through the shooting. There we've got a scene at a police roadblock. We've got a registered to Alabani Limited. We've got the house that they lived at in Meadow Lane in Christchurch. And I published that video that you're about to put on the end of this. And as soon as I published that online, they vacated that house 24 hours later. And I'd seen someone that had been driving, gone past that house on a push bike for months and saying, yep, this is, they, these people have lived here for months. There's like four or five cars that are always parked here. They had a big picture of Jacinda Ardern in the in the um, on the on the um, a big billboard for it to vote for Jacinda Ardern in the yard, and um, yeah, and they left. They moved out of that house 24 hours later. But that car is still active. It's still driving around Christchurch. It was spotted parked outside a gym about six months ago. Someone sent me a photograph. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and here's me, just this guy sitting in Australia at, in my in my shed. And I'm looking at all this, and what you, you're telling me that the reporters can't see this, and the, the, the media can't see this, and the, the police can't see this? Seriously? You know? And then, like I said, that, that hit piece that was put out, Greg Hallett has actually got this. This is a grainy little photograph. And he says, there's the number plate, FQM875, vehicle not found. This means the vehicle is owned by the New Zealand Security Services, SIS, or Internal Affairs, IA, as a throwaway vehicle to be used as bumper-to-bumpers, car rammings and hit and runs. Blanket statement. Well, that's what it means, does it? When you can't find a number plate and it registered vehicle not found, that's what it means, does it? Oh, okay, this, is, this means that. And he, he purposefully, if you look, he's purposefully blurred that H to make it look like an M. Now, why would you do that? And then be doing hit pieces on me, telling me I'm trying to distract people and, and, and lead them off in a direction that, that doesn't mean anything and what the real issue is here, that it's all fake. No. So the, the reason this video is banned is because it blows the official narrative mm. clean out of the water. It exposes the New Zealand government clearly with their hands in the cookie jar. It exposes the world media as a bunch of barefaced liars and there is no debate even possible. It's all so right there on the video, you know. What do you think then actually went down well i think they did it to to do everything they're doing now i mean whether people died or not i'm not here to debate that and as much as if people died it's a very bad thing dare i say for 
the current situation, it's irrelevant whether people died or not. What, what matters in all of these events, and this is what I say often, you know, time and time again, they want you arguing over whether there was blood or whether there people died or whether it's real, or whether it's fake. What you've got to look at is what is the legislation going to be? What actions are government now going to take to remove more of your freedoms because this event has happened? And when this happened, I said, we're about to get censorship, we're going to have blanket censorship, we're all going to get kicked off, we're going to be put in echo chambers, and we're going to be in lockdown within 12 to 18 months. That's what I said when I saw this. Looks like I was pretty right. All of these events are designed to further the agenda that they want to, their goal, move, to, move them closer to their goal. When you know what the goal is, the goal is total control of everything. Mass surveillance of everybody, everything, every blade of grass, every drop of water, every single thing, your thoughts, your dreams, everything that you do, everything you say, everything you're connected with, everything that you feel. That's what it's all about. You know that's what the end goal is. Then you can see the steps they're taking to reach that goal. And when you understand that all the world is a stage, nothing as major as this happens on the world stage without it being planned and controlled. Problem is that the New Zealand government botched it up so badly with that shooter's video. The, I mean, I, I always suspect, I mean, I, I wonder, I have to question, like, almost certainly he was under mind control, Tavistock. He very, when you even listen to some of the chatter on the video, he's saying how he couldn't beat his time that day. You know, it's, it's like he, he almost didn't know he was shooting people. I mean, he did, but he didn't. There's drugs they give military that they just go out there and they just do stuff and it doesn't really register to them that they're killing people. You know, and I, I think that they planned on him live streaming the, the shooting, but I don't think they planned on him turning the camera on as soon as he got in the car and seeing all the stuff that we saw along the way. I mean, I've gone through that and showed you the colour coordination of the vehicles and stuff that happens along the way as well. Like every time he sees a red car and how many red cars would you expect to see? How many red or those aqua turquoisey cars would you expect to see in the less than a mile that it took him to drive to the mosque? All the other vehicles are grey and white and then there's these series of, of cars, red car, red car, red car, then two red cars, two red cars, and then turquoise car, red car, all this sort of stuff. And every time these things happen, he gets triggered and he does something else. And I look at it and I go, "This is." he, he puts on a soundtrack, red, yellow, turquoise, all these things are triggering him. And he, he goes by the soundtrack and he goes by the colour triggers. This is how Tavistock mind control works. We've actually got, if you really want to go through and analyse the shooter's video, we've got the inside view of what a Tavistock run MK Ultra programmed shoot actually looks like because it's all there. All the triggers are all there. And the handlers, the minders, you can see at least three minders along the way, possibly four. That guy in the, in the little blue car that I pointed out is possibly another one. So there's a lot on the, on the evidence. I mean, I can go into all this and it's, it's highly speculative, a lot of that. But when you look at it, I mean, it all starts to make sense of that's how it works. And when you know that's how these Manchurian candidate MK Ultra programs work, colour and sound explains why he's got the soundtrack going, why he had to leave the mosque early, why he said we couldn't burn today. Why would he just stop? Why wouldn't he just go back and burn the mosque down like he wanted to do if that was the whole plan? No, he was on a time schedule because he was going according to the soundtrack that he was running. You know, but I almost suspect that he knew he was under mind control and he was going to be doing something. You know, he half half knew 
And he could have even put that camera on early to show us what actually happened. And in some ways he could be something of a hero in that he showed us because he knew what they were doing to him. I would suspect that. I just, again, it's speculative. But I've got a question. Because the stuff that is seen in the peripheral vision of that video blows the entire narrative out of, out of the water and it shows you exactly how these MK Ultra Manchurian candidate mind-controlled shooter programs are carried out. There's a lot of information on it. But, you know, you can put all that aside because, like I said, it's all highly speculative. You're getting into the realm of being a conspiracy theorist. But everything I showed you on that video then about him running and him catching those people from peripheral places, like places where he couldn't see, he's getting gas out of the car. He's got the wall. He's got the mosque. He's got this whole distance between him and the opposite corner. How did he know? to just run out to that corner and shoot that guy down the wall? How did he know to leave and run out to catch that guy escaping from the other corner? How did he know to leave and run out to catch those two women at the end? And who's that guy in red standing at the wall? And who's that guy in that car? We know who it was, Mr. Alabani. How come he was there in the car with someone else with him and that car was allowed to leave halfway through the shooting in full view of each other? In fact, he stopped to glance at the car as it was driving out. And then we see that car being waved through a police roadblock. Okay. And it's a lone gunman, acted alone. Yeah, came over. It was an extremist white supremacist. Went out there and just shot all these Muslims because he's a bad man. And now we have to ban guns and lock the whole world down and, and remove everybody's rights and all this sort of stuff. Come on, folks. This is a setup. And that video shows it's a setup. And that's why it was banned that day. And that's why you can get a $30,000 fine and, you know, 30 years in jail by even viewing it if you live in New Zealand because they don't want you to see that the government did this and the media lied about it and it's all there on the video. And that's not a conspiracy theory. That's provable fact by what I just showed you. It's always a white supremacist, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we're terrible, terrible people. Okay, so who would some of the... Who would some of the planners have been, in your mind, the government, central intelligence? Well, central intelligence, um, it, the thing is, I, I look at world governments as being all one thing. It's, it's mm. all this stuff, theatre, playing countries off against each other, it's rubbish. People teach you, teach you that you, there's always an external threat from another country. They want to come and bomb you. They want to come to war. They want to do all this sort of stuff. It's all the one club. Your, your government convinces you that you need them there to protect you from all the other governments. You know, when I say China wants to come and invade Australia, you know, China is full of people who don't give a shit about Australia. Chinese government and the Australian government are working together to create a fear mentality in their people so that they'll view everybody else as a threat so that we can lock them down more and more and bring them under our wing to protect them. You know, it's bullshit. The whole thing's theatre for the masses. The world is one large holding company, and you can think of different countries as being different franchises of that holding company. There are certain rogue elements in there. There are people, politicians you get in place who actually believe that they have a little bit of power, and they may not want to do things that way, and they may want to move their country into something like freedom. So things like what happened to Gaddafi happened to them. So, you know, and, and Libya was an incredibly free country. Um, there's a lot of freedom here in Mexico, though. It, it's still kind of playing the game to an extent, but they've got to be careful doing it here in Mexico because the people are very revolutionary-minded, and if the government does too much, well, they, they kill them. So they've got to be very careful the way they do it here. So they play the government and the cartels off against each other. And, uh, I would question that whole scenario as well. So 
Um, but, you know, the world is one big holding company and they do what they can to implement these plans and they have different strokes for different folks. They've got different methods they use in different countries because the cultures are different. You know, what's, what's going to work with the people? But a lot of the stuff that you saw happen in Christchurch happened while there was an international military exercise going on, all that sort of shit. You know, there always is. You know, that's how come he was able to walk around in full army gear and because they were used to seeing all these soldiers doing this shit. So, you know... It's all, all different strokes for different folks, but a lot of the stuff that happened in New Zealand, the legislation or the, the censorship legislation or all that sort of stuff, the whole idea of, of how blanket this should be, this was adopted by all other countries in as much as it was adopted by the corporations and the platforms that these countries use. Like the censorship that came in off Christchurch and the legislation and stuff was applied not just to New Zealand but to Facebook and to Twitter and to these major platforms, YouTube, which haven't got anything to do with New Zealand, do they? Unless it's all one big holding company and everything's got everything to do with everything else. You know, so this is the same. I mean, after the Christchurch shooting, we saw Donald Trump get kicked off Twitter. I never could have done that if it wasn't for that type of mentality that was put into that corporate system. But this is how you've got to run things now. This is the level of censorship we want. And it's getting more and more and more. This is why the hacks all the time. Oh, Optus has been hacked. Oh, Telstra has been hacked. All oh, the police database. Cyber attacks, folks, cyber attacks. We need digital ID. Oh, my Lord, we need digital ID. We need digital currency and digital ID. And then we need you to show your digital ID in order to even get online to begin with. And if you don't like what, if we don't like what you're saying, then you will limit your access to your digital currency because we control that too along with all your browsing history and all your chats and everything that you do, because we've removed basically all contact in the real world. There's no phone boxes around the place. There's you know very few people write letters or actually visit them anymore. All the activities online, so we can watch all of it. We can catalog all of it. We can trace everywhere you're going because you take your little radar device around with you everywhere you go. This is what it's all about. Like, wouldn't be able to get this level of mass surveillance and this level level of connectivity in people if they didn't run something like Christchurch. Segways that into um, like they're destroying the country with the fires they had in Australia and the fires they're having everywhere and the floods and the old terrible weather, climate change, your fault because you use plastic bags. Nothing that we're doing. And, you know, then into this whole COVID narrative, which has locked the whole world down, got them used to complying. While you're all locked down inside, we're going to roll out all these 5G infrastructure towers everywhere. So we've got the surveillance grid in place. We want you to all wear masks just to test your compliance and also to stop you communicating with the people around you, giving them funny looks and saying, this doesn't feel quite right, does it? You know, and also to um, make our... Uh, facial recognition cameras that much more effective so that they, they're used to just looking at a partial face so you can get all you guys with beards or if you wear masks or hats or whatever we just want to see this this is all we need now we've got you so you know they're tweaking up and perfecting their facial recognition perfecting their surveillance system it's all the one thing and you know they'll, they'll do it in new zealand because i mean you can't just do this in america and then roll it out around the world you got to do it a little bit in america a little bit in england a little bit in europe a little bit in australia a little bit in new zealand a little bit in germany and just mix it all up you know and then bring it all together we oh we've got problems everywhere we're going to have to come into the united nations and these we need to globalize things and have one controlling mechanism but we can look at it it's just chaos and we've got all these terrible things happening in all these different countries and you look at it and all the leaders of all these different countries are all young global leaders from the World Economic Forum, all following the same agenda in order to move it into this technocracy. 
which is what they're creating. And technocracy will be the worst form of slavery you could possibly imagine because it's not just putting boundaries around you, it's putting boundaries around you and your mind and your access to life because there's been this digital barrier created between you and reality. If you want to get money out of the bank or you want to just go and interact with anything at all, you're going to need scan, you're going to need QR codes, retinal scans, all this sort of crap. So I want to protect you, just to protect you from terrible hackers and are terrible terrorists and uh, and we move every single part of your soul from you in order to keep you in this sterile little chamber, then you'll be safe. The government's got you. It's all good. Uh, Who's they? Good question. You know, there's all sorts of forces that have done all sorts of bad things. I mean, there's there's obviously been a bad Jewish banking element. There's there's a lot of this sort of stuff. Sure, they do a lot of bad stuff. But ultimately, they is us now because they is the technology. You know, we're in a position now where we still have the physical capability to pull down this whole surveillance system, get back, get off the internet, get back on with our lives. But we won't do it, and to not do it, because and, and if we if we do do that, the problem is see, if if we pull this whole infrastructure down, we're going to lose access to our banking systems, to most of our power grids, and you know a lot of our social structure is going to have to be rebuilt if we pull down the internet now because we've got to a point where we're becoming completely dependent upon it. So we'd be heading for a pretty bad, chaotic situation where we did just pull the plug on all this. But the problem is that if we don't, we end up in even a worse situation because we'll end up in a situation where we're completely controlled by AI, by the algorithms. So even the people who are running this who had plans of world domination can't see that the the, the artificial intelligence that is being created through all this doesn't care about them. They're just another human. It's just humans seem to be a danger to themselves. Humans seem to be what is destroying the world and they're destroying themselves. They're, they're a danger. So humans need to be completely controlled. It's going to get to the point that we lose control of the internet. It'll get to the point that you don't even need government. You don't need... The only reason you need police force is to go and pick people up and, and put them where the AI says they need to go. Now, once the social crediting and stuff comes in, it'll get to a point where the, the AI knows what your credit points are, so it knows what your punishment is. So you don't need to go to trial. It's already You just need to go to be re-educated, and if you can't be re-educated, well, whatever, we'll just keep you incarcerated unless it's, it's too economically unsound. I mean, why would we want to waste money on keeping you alive if you're just there and you're never going to be re-educated, you're never going to be part of society, you're never going to be used for anything, so maybe we'll just give you some vaccines to protect you, you know, have you die of myocarditis or whatever, but um, we we are doing this now. You know, whoever you want to blame, they, they is us. Because, I mean, all, like I said, there's bad people that have done bad things that have led us to this point. But the problem now is the technology, the, the um, scrying mirrors that we use, these, these, you know, this form of communication, the fact that people take credit cards with them and they take smartphones with them everywhere they go, that's the problem. I don't own a credit card. I've never bought anything in the real world with a card over the counter. I've got a debit card that I've used to buy airline tickets online. And occasionally, like in Mexico here, I've been kind of stuck to, to get things like tea bags or whatever. So I bought some, you know, a couple of things on Amazon. And that's it. That's the only card transactions I've ever made in my life. 
um, everything. I'll, I'll go to a, an ATM in, in Australia or whatever, and I'll pull out cash, and I'll go and pay for what I want with cash. If I don't have the cash to buy whatever I need, even a, even a car, you know, I will put it in a box and I'll save up until I've got more cash, and then I can go and pay cash for the car. I've never gone and bought uh, anything, no groceries, nothing, nothing, not a restaurant, not any. I have not done one single transaction over a counter with a card in my life. You know, I've been forced, a lot of people like you're forced to have a phone, you're forced to have a smartphone. When I got kicked out of this, or when I left Australia, I got kicked out of my bank and all that sort of stuff. The only way I was out able to keep going was to open up an online bank account. In order to even activate that, I had to have a phone. You know, I had to have a smartphone. Fortunately, before I left Australia, someone gave me a completely de-Googled phone and I'd never used it. I just didn't use the thing. And then a few months after I got here and I managed to open up an online account, I wanted a phone number. So I put a SIM card in the in that phone and used that to be able to activate that bank account. And I've never made a call on this phone. I've never sent a text on the phone. I just, I just don't use it. I just don't use it. I don't carry it around with me. It never leaves the house. I use it if if I need to make some sort of a payment, like a you know, order something on Amazon or whatever, which is very rare, and it might send me an approval, you know. Or if I need to send money somewhere, like to my landlord or whatever, you know, then uh, it might want approval, and it'll send me a message to the phone, "Do you approve this transaction?" That's all I use it for. But even that, I mean, they force you to have these things. You can't even have a bank account now without a phone. You virtually can't operate. I just don't take these things out in the real world. I won't take a little satellite tracking device around with me anywhere, um, and I won't use a credit card. I'll never, ever shop digitally in the real world. It's not a digital world. It's a real world with interactive people. Now, the beauty about Mexico, of course, is that um, you know, nearly 50%, like 46 or 47% of people in Mexico don't even have bank accounts. So it's going to be a long slog for them to bring a digital credit system or any of that sort of stuff into place in Mexico. So that's a good thing. Is a little bit of extra time we, being here. We are in we are in we are in Africa. It's much the same. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's their plans really that they put forth. I mean, they, these are going to work for all the Western countries because they've kind of coerced them into it. It, it, unheard of to be in Australia and not have a bank account. They open mm. these things for you when you're at school. I remember they opened my bank account for me when I was in like grade grade Fucking two hell. or three at school. That's one of the first things they taught me was to how to have a bank account, you know. So, um, yeah, but in Mexico, no, but you're going to bring in digital currency for the mobile taco vendors on their push bikes. I don't think so. Yeah. Max, what are your views on Bitcoin? and crypto a lot of people get the wrong impression with it they, they think it's an investment thing that you need to you know, invest money in there and then everyone will make a fortune out of it you know like because we saw bitcoin take off blah 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 the reason bitcoin took off was because so many people started using it and then uh people started seeing it oh my god it's a it's a explosion so we need to it's something to invest in no it's something to use it's an alternate to their system i think it was started with good intentions but I said to the, because um, I, I lecture a lot at uh, crypto conferences or one crypto conference in, in particular, which isn't strictly crypto, which is uh, in Acapulco, uh, which is actually on in like three weeks here in Acapulco, Mexico. But um, I, I said to them in 2016, 2017, that I can appreciate what you're doing, but I'm, I'm coming here to these crypto conferences and I'm hearing 
conversations like you guys all think we're going to be living in a world like the Jetsons in another 10 years, you know. Uh, it's just going to be this incredible technological marble world, you know. Um, you know, I'm saying, have you ever heard of technocracy? And I said, it, it, what you're doing is a noble idea to be able to free yourself from the fiat banking system and thereby with the goal of withdrawing funding from government, which lives on taxes, basically, which it doesn't really. I mean, it's the whole concept of money is real is what government lives on. You know, government gives bonds, government bonds to the central bank, and then the government, then the central bank gives paper money back to the government and says, you owe us interest on that money that we just gave you on your bond, you know. The government could create the money itself. It doesn't need to run this way at all. Money's there to create scarcity. Um, and, and people pay taxes to pay off the loan to the bank. They don't pay taxes to government to build infrastructure. They get that from the, the central bank. I mean, the central bank could just give them the okay, here's the bonds, you give me the cash and we're good, the deal's done. If it was like that, there wouldn't be any taxes. The government taxes you in order to get you to pay off that loan on that those bits of paper they just got from the central bank. You know, so Bitcoin is a way of freeing yourself from that, but it's 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 still unrealistic because you're not looking at what the fault of the money system is to begin with. But my, my whole argument with it was that um, even though what you're doing has noble intentions don't think the government isn't going to create an umbrella over the top of this to control it because the world is run by criminals the all governments work together the banking system all of these major influences the education system the military industrial complex the whole thing all of it's one big organism and it's a criminal empire that's what it is the world is run by a, a system of multinational multi-generational criminal cabal that's what's running the world. Everyone's son gets in. It's all the same names, you know. It's all the same people. They just recycle and they, they jump ship. They leave government. They go join a corporation. They leave the corporation. They join the government. You know, it's just it's just one big revolving door of, of multinational, multi-generational people in a criminal cabal. So if you haven't, no matter what you're doing with Bitcoin and your cryptocurrencies and stuff, if you haven't factored in the reality that the world is run by criminals, then you're already lost because we want to pull this, this system down and create a new one. That's great. Yeah, let's do that. But if these criminals are still in their positions of power during that transition, don't think they're not going to co-opt it. They're going to want you to make the transition because you're going to be transitioning into where they are pointing you to go. That's how it works. So, and that's what I said to them back in 2017. I said, all this stuff that you're doing, you haven't factored in social crediting and all of that sort of thing because you might be a, a Bitcoin billionaire. You might have six or $10 billion in the bank that you made on Bitcoin. What happens when they bring in facial recognition and social crediting and you need to be biometrically scanned in order to even log online to begin with? And if you made a post on Facebook 10 years ago to the government, doesn't like, well, they're not going to let you do that. What are you going to do then? How, how good is your Bitcoin going to be for you or helpful to you when it exists only in cyberspace, you can't pick it up, you know. It, you can't hold it in your hand. It exists as a bunch of numbers on a screen, you know. And if you can't access that screen from anywhere in the world because you're biometrically blacklisted, what are you going to do? You know, so, and I said, you know, if you want to get in there and you want to use Bitcoin, I think you've got a short window until about 2025 because by then you're not going to be able to access the internet 
unless you're a very, very compliant little human. And we just saw uh, the other day, I did a report yesterday where I talked about the zero, uh, zero trust internet access roadmap that Biden is rolling out and they want that in place for 2027. I would say that will be coming into effect around 2025 the way I predicted. You know, and um, I said this to people, 2025, your relationship with the internet is going to change because it's it's also becoming autonomic in its own sense in as much as it's becoming a, a fully functional, self-correcting, self-programming, self-healing, self-defensive system. They're talking about giving lethal autonomy to, to, to the internet, to AI. Once the internet's got lethal autonomy and it's got... To see, and with any autonomic system, any type of autonomic system, like our body is fully autonomic. It's self-repairing, self-healing. You just, you, know, you don't have to think about pumping your blood or beating your heart. It just does it, you know. It's just all automatic. Once the system becomes automatic, it needs a form of consciousness to govern it. It becomes its, its own form of consciousness in itself, simply because you've got so many working parts that are fully autonomic that need to communicate with each other. So therefore, it has to think, it has to consider, it has to plan, it has to has to strategize, has to do all sorts of things to keep it all working. This becomes a form of intelligence, and we would think of artificial intelligence. Well, I would say it's not artificial intelligence; it's autonomic intelligence is what we are creating. Autonomic intelligence, and it's basically fully autonomic virtual life is what we are creating with the internet. And once it reaches that point, which it's going to reach very soon, probably by around 2025, we're going to find that our relationship with the internet changes and it starts directing us and dictating to us what we need to be doing with our lives according to what its judgment is based on our past activity. And, you know, the fact that everybody who, who plugs into the internet is basically a, a neural node in the new brain that has been created. And it knows more about you than you know about yourself. It's got everything that you've ever done on the internet, like since 1995, whatever mistakes you've made, you've gone back and edited them and corrected them and whatever. So I've got all this stuff. It's collected information about everybody. And it knows best. It knows what humans should do in order to survive. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the way we're going. So when it gets to that point, even they, you know, they're going to lose control of it. And as soon as they realise they've lost control of it, well, then people may try to regain control of the internet. And as soon as they do, the internet being a self-defensive, self-protective system, I mean, with 5G and by doing it, we're, we're kind of giving, we're building um, a cyber immune system, basically. I mean, even with 5G, think about this, the 5G is simply the fifth generation of communication, but it incorporates a millimeter wave. A millimeter wave is, a, is an active denial system. It's a, it's a weapon system. With a millimeter wave in place in towers all around your city, you got to, if you want to, you can just microwave the entire city and kill everybody. We can't have that happening. We can't have the United States going to war with China and suddenly China figured out, figures out how to hack the system and microwaves New York. Can't have that happening. So obviously you need... You haven't got time for human error in any of that or human thought in any of that. If the, if, the, if the Chinese AI decides it's going to microwave New York, it's just going to do it. You don't have time for some human to think about it and act. The AI needs to take over. So therefore, you need to have you know, a form of artificial intelligence to run that system. So you're giving fully autonom autonomy to that. You're basically giving the Internet its own immune system through the 5G towers. And once humans begin to try to regain control 
of the internet, if it becomes fully autonomic, then it's not going to differentiate. It's not going to care if you're a Rothschild or a Smith. It doesn't matter. You're just another human. And if humans become a threat to the internet or become a threat to this autonomic system that we've put in place, well, it will just eliminate the threat as you would because that's what the immune system's for you know and everything we're creating everything we do more and more automates our everyday existence our everyday lives you know automate automated deliveries automated this automated that um you know people don't really think that much for themselves anymore even on their phones they've got little personal assistance which automates their lives for them apparently on your phones now you can have like a little virtual you which is basically someone that learns from you and what you do, and you can ask it advice about yourself. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. So, you know, people soon won't be able to live without this system, without all this automation. They won't know how to do anything. And, and that's the danger. You know, you've got to be able to switch off from it. And, and it's people's fear of doing that, which is the problem. So, yeah, that's who they are. And, and, um, Crypto, in amongst that, like I said, it's a short window. You can maybe get in there. You could use it. If everyone actually used it when they first brought it out and started and got off fiat currency, it actually would have worked what the plan was. But they hummed and hard about it. They took ain't going to these crypto conferences for the last seven years. You know, it'd be eight years almost. And they're still humming and hurrying and talking about all this stuff. And the government's been rolling out this big umbrella that I warned you about in 2016, and they're about to bring it all in place within the next couple of years. And so now you've got until about 2025. You want to get all your activity offline by 2025. I would suggest whatever assets you've got in crypto, by 2025, pull them out, turn them into real-world assets like land or something, something that is going to help you get through. Because after that time, you're not even going to be able to go and buy garden tools unless you've got your digital ID and your credit card and your cash. You know, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to interact with the system in any way, shape or form if you do not have your digital ID. You're not going to get your digital ID unless you vax and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's all it's all coming to the one thing. So you're sure it's a short window, but, but get out of it by 2025 and get ready for what's coming, you know. But paradoxically, Max... There's an interesting dichotomy happening here between the ultimate control and those of us who don't want that and becoming more independent and self-reliant. Well, I've been, I've been, I mean, I almost think we're past the point of no return. I think the system has got to implode. And you're going to see a lot of that happening. I mean, with all what's going on with the jab, all the people that are dropping off are jabbed people. So whatever the system's left, there's not going to be a lot of people that are going to go along with it. You know? and, and even if people do go into that system, the system itself is going to be so inhuman and unhuman. The real human life won't even be able to survive within its parameters for very long. So ultimately, it's going to kill its own food source. The trick for us is to find a way through that where we don't get exterminated along the way as undesirables, you know, because there will only be two types of people in the reality they're creating, desirables and undesirables won't be any gray area between them so it's um surviving that and getting through and i you know i'm just fortunate I'm, I'm 65 i've done a lot of great stuff in my life i've been a lot of places i've been to a lot of countries i've you know, fulfilled a lot of dreams i've done a lot of things you know, i'm actually glad that i'm 65 that i'm not some young kid growing up into this 
because I can't see any real way of turning this around. I mean, if people were going to stand up, they would have stood up by now. Too many people are in there saying, oh, the Q's in there, Trump's in there, they're going to save us, the White Hats. It's all, it's all going as planned, as planned, really. Yeah, Jeff Beck died the other day. Everybody's dying. There's so many people are dying, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people are dying. It's all part of the plan. I said, yeah, right, great plan. You know, if they were going to pull funding from these people and the, and the military was going to stand up and all these things were going to happen, and I'm not, some of the stuff people say, they tell me, JFK Jr. is still alive. You know, no, he's not. You know, like, it's incredible the stuff you can get people to believe. And I'll just sit there and eat popcorn and wait for the world to be saved because White Hat said so, Q said so. Well, all the stuff they're saying is right. Yes, yeah, all the stuff that's obvious, you know, and little bits of inner workings of the system. Yeah, if, you, if you're using the parameters of the system, thinking you're going to change the system, you're delusional. The system is fiction. It's just an idea. Someone wrote all this shit on paper and they called it a law. Look, I've written this down. You've got to do this now because I've written it down. I had a fancy suit on when I wrote it down and my friend here put a rubber stamp on it, so it must be real. So now you've got to do this. Now you can't live your life. You can't have access to reality the way your heart desires because it says on the piece of paper that you've got to do what I say. And people believe that. They think it's real. They're going to go in and use that system to try to change the system. What about stepping into your heart? You know, what about living your life in integrity, doing the right thing in all that you do, making the world better because you're alive? How, how, how many people ask themselves the question, uh, am, are you the type of friend that you would want to have as a friend? Think about that one. Not if you're a good person. Although you, would you take on yourself as, as a friend? Would you trust yourself? Would you know that you were going to stand by you and all that sort of stuff? Are you what it really means to be a friend to someone? And if you live your life like that, and everybody did, we changed the world in a day, you know. So, you know, it's all in here. That's why who are they? They is us. Oh, it's them. It's the Jews. And if we kill all the Jews, the world's going to change. And I can go back to my everyday mundane existence and watch my TV and do all the things that I was doing before and pay my taxes and all this stuff. You know, I want the world to change without me having to change my life or my perspective or what I do or my actions in any way, shape or form. I just want to get the newsletter to say that Max has changed the world now that I can feel safe to go outside. Yeah, right. It doesn't work that way. You know, you're here to express yourself to the fullest of your potential. Why would you ever believe you had rules to begin with? What, because someone wrote some shit down on paper and the TV told you it was real? Come on, folks. You know, the queue and white hats and shit. No, just, just open your eyes, take the blinkers off, walk out of Plato's cave. You're all living in the cave. You know, the matrix is a fiction. The matrix is your belief that the system is real to begin with. And you want to know who to blame. Oh, my Lord, you know. It just goes round in circles, round in circles, round in circles. And, you know, if people were going to stand up, they would have stood up by now. So I think the whole thing just has to implode. It has to go to its natural conclusion now, and we've got to find a, a way of the, the spark of human divinity to make it through to the other side so we can do the next cycle a little bit better than this one. But where do you think the other side is? I mean, is it geographical or is it metaphorical? Metaphorical. The other side of this storm, um, this system they're creating, you're either going to go into that smart system or you're going to have to find a way of surviving, living in a cave or out in the woods or something to get through it and just watch the freak show from the hill. Or in Mexico. And, well, I mean, nowhere's safe. Nowhere's safe. I mean, Mexico, at least you've got a bit more of a revolutionary spirit. You'll have a lot 
better chance of, of getting through what's coming here because, you know, if it gets too crazy, then people just overthrow the government. It's as simple as that. They just won't stand for it. There's a really strong sense of family in Mexico. I've noticed um, even when I'm in gatherings and stuff, you know, the, the sound lounge and places around here that I go to, to jam on guitar and stuff, um, people walk in, you'll get a truckload of people walk in, like 15, 16 people will walk into the, the, the like into the place, into the bar, and um, every one of them will walk up and, and knock your hand and shake your hand and say hi. They all want to make friends with everybody. They walk in and they'll say hello to everybody in the venue, even if you don't know them, you know, because there's just this strong sense of family here. And I think that that counts for a lot. I think that goes a long way. And, it, you know, this country was founded on revolution, so it's going to be a little harder to be able to um, control these people. But by the same token, they just brought in um, legislation just, I think, this year or just late last year where um, you've actually got to provide a tax number in order to get an internet connection in Mexico now. So, you know, they're moving towards it. It's all part and parcel to the same thing. Different strokes for different folks. Different countries are going to take longer. You're going to have to destroy the first world and in the process transfer most of the wealth from the first world into the third world in order to get them to do it. That's what I call the first world, second world, third world. They play it in stages. They play it in like a multi-level game. That's how they destroy the world. And they've built the first world up to the point that it's just like Sodom and Gomorrah, it's just ridiculous, you know, what's going on. And now they're going to, and they show the people in the, in the second and third world how great the first world is, you know, you've got Avengers movies and all this sort of, and most of these people believe what they see on TV. And um, then you've got, um, they, try, they collapse that, and everyone sees how decadent they were, we'll do it better this time, but they all want the tech and all this. Even go to the third world countries, go to the poorest third world countries you find in the world, you'll find people that live in tin sheds and shacks, they're eating bowls of rice with a prawn head in them for flavouring, and they've got no food, they've got no money, they've got scrappy little clothes, and they've got the latest cell phone. <laughs> so that that's how they do it. They seduce them with the technology, and they show them what this world is, and they gradually transfer the wealth in there. So over the next you know 10 to 20 years you'll see the collapse of the west if they get away with what they're doing you'll see the collapse you will see the decline of it. you'll see a lot of people depopulated but you'll see most of that wealth transferred into countries like mexico and central america and, and chile and ecuador so they can then build them up so they can now put the infrastructure in place them so they can disconnect them from their families because you've got to break down the family unit first you've got to break down those strong family ties that exist in all of these countries before you can actually bring them to the point that they are in the West. We're in the West, you know, we, as soon as your, your kids are old enough, they're 18 year old to work, get the fuck out of the home, go and stop being a burden on me. And then they wonder why their kids put them in a nursing home as soon as they get a little bit old, you know? So they don't give a shit about each other. Now in, in like, even in Italy, Greece and places like that, you know, the, the children will grow up, they'll stay, they'll live at home their whole life till they get married, they'll go and find a beautiful girl or a beautiful husband and they'll get married and then the parents will build a little house on the side of their house for their new, for their son and their new new daughter-in-law, you know, and then as, as the parents get older and older, they don't want to look after the big house, so they'll move into that little place and they'll put the, the children in the big house, you know, and if there's another... Well, they'll buy up the house next door and then put their new new son in there and all that sort of stuff. So they end up buying up the whole street. It's all run by the one family, you know. 
that's how it is in a lot of countries. That's how it is in Mexico as well. There's this real strong family bond and the families all stay together. And the family sometimes there's hundreds of them in a family, you know, because it's all the cousins and brothers and relations and everybody and they all know each other and they'll all look out for each other and you know what you're homeless on the street well you're my third cousin what are you doing homeless on the street come here we'll build a hut for you in the backyard you know don't need building permission or anything just do it you know so where i live in mexico there's a, an esplanade it's a, all these restaurants and stuff along there and there's a you know, restaurants on one side of the road and restaurants on the other. You know, next door to where I lived, there's no there's no restaurant on the beach there. And the guy in the in the in the building there was looking at the road one day and he thought that road's the perfect size for a swimming pool. So he just got a backhoe in and he dug up the esplanade and put it in a swimming pool. And now he can extend his restaurant over across through the pool onto the beach. Put a whole bunch of new tables there. Well, the council just had to change the road map. You know, oh, now the road doesn't go through all the way. The guy next to him thought, well, there's no point in people coming around this next corner and only be able to drive one car length, so I might as well put it in a pool as well. So he did, you know, and that's just the way it is. No one does anything. It's just, just the way it is. There's nothing you can do about it. We did it. You know, what are you going to do? It's done, you know. So nobody cares. You see people that put on parachutes and little backpacks with fans on them and they get up and they fly out over the surf and stuff, you know. Try doing that in any Western country. You just can't do this sort of shit. So, I mean, I like that. I like the way this place works. It just – and nobody, you know, offends anybody and everybody just kind of does what they want and lives their life and the family is, is very strong. And uh, everybody's so friendly. You know, Mexico, you're told, is such a dangerous place, and some places probably are. I'm not saying it's all roses here. It'd be cartel war going up in Sinaloa at the moment. But um, generally, just the, the population, just the general people, they're poor, but they're so kind and so friendly. And um, I've met some, some wonderful friends here, and you know, I'm even limited in how I can communicate with them because I don't speak Spanish very well. So uh, I think we've got a lot, we could learn a lot from this sort of uh, attitude that these people display. And I don't think that the system that they're creating could possibly survive if, if we had that attitude, if we had that attitude of, of, of friendship and we were, we were friends to each other. Like I said, be the best friend. You know, are you the type of friend you want to have as a friend? It's a really important question, a really simple question. But we lie to ourselves so much that we don't ever really consider these things, you know, we... We think, oh, well, I'm generous, and I'm this and I'm that. No, would you want to have you as a friend? You know, mm -hmm. think about it. It's, a, it's know, an thing. And I always try to be that guy, you know. I was um, wanting to ask you for something uh, warm and positive, and that right there is exactly it. Oh, thank you, brother. I mean, there, there is a hope through this. I mean, in many ways, we, we've reached a level of, of – spiritual bankruptcy in, in collective humanity that something like this had to happen so isn't this an opportunity for people to find that in themselves to find that realness in themselves and realize what it is that they've lost why why they even believe this matrix is real you know and all the solutions and finger pointing and pointing at them and they and this and just so i can just be happy and no just just find yourself and that's all i've ever tried to do with the shows is, is ask a lot of questions to encourage other people to ask questions I'm not going to say this is because, you know, it's up to you to discover what is. And if you're, if you're encouraged to ask the right sort of questions, then the right answers will present themselves to you. But it's most, people, most people don't know the right questions to ask. 
which is why I spend so much time on my show just asking questions. You know, why do you think this is like that, folks? And, hmm, have you ever thought about it? Why do you suppose that? I have people emailing and saying, oh, I think I know the answer to that question. And I'm like, I already know the answer. I just want you to ask the question. Mm. Because real truth cannot be told. Real truth must be realised. It's when you have that little light bulb moment, you go, holy shit, I see it now. And then they run off and you start telling people, yeah, yeah, I already knew it. I just wanted you to wanted you to see you know i mean a real teacher the, the, the best way to teach people is to make yourself obsolete you know and uh that's what i try to do with people make myself irrelevant they don't need me teach people to teach themselves by encouraging them to ask the right questions and uh i, I think that's what will change things i think this whole situation has been brought about by a loss of self people don't know themselves at all anymore that's why i have so many people email me and say oh you're saying my thoughts it's like oh, i already knew this I'm like yeah you did I'm just trying to help you remember that because collectively we've forgotten and forgotten mm. ourselves. We've got our higher senses. We've forgotten the language of life. Here we've got an opportunity. What, what better opportunity to rediscover mm. yourself? I mean, your back's getting thrown to the wall and it's all being done because of your compliance. You can just say, no, no, shit, I have value. I'm going to go and do this now. We're all going to go and do this now. Now, you, you guys can go and we'll put, I've always said, get all the politicians and bankers and shit, put them all on Christmas Island, give them all a hammer, let them have their war. It'd be great. We can film it. It'd be live reality TV show. Great stuff. We can all, it'll get the highest ratings ever. But let the rest of it, let's just go and do it. And don't even ask. It isn't saying let the rest, let us get on with our lives. No, just get on with your life. Don't ask permission. Just do it, you know. Who do these people think they are? We actually elect these people to positions of management. When they're doing all this stuff and killing the world, which I think is just in our best interest, seriously. We're going to limit all your freedoms in order to keep you safe because it's in your best interest that we do that because the systems are so delicate. Fuck the systems. The system I've got is a system of friendship and cooperation with the people around me. What about that? That works wonders. Let's try that for a while. We tried yours. Didn't work. The world's all fucked up. Exhibit A, the earth. What happened to it? Politicians. That's what happened to it because every problem we've got was legislated into existence. And our, when we try to fix these problems, we find we're tied up in red tape, which has all been legislated into existence to prevent us from ever just calling a spade a spade and living in natural law and saying, hey, you guys are all a bunch of lies and criminals and come to think, but I don't have to do anything that you say because you have no legitimacy or validity. If you did, you've abdicated that privilege that you were given when we gave you that position of management, you know. Exhibit A, the earth, look what you've done to it in the last few years. And you can't tell us that any of this depopulation or destruction of businesses and loss of lives and people emotionally destroyed, children destroyed, people being transgenderized, all this shit, it's all being done for our protection and our best interests. No, it doesn't work, you know. So and it's an opportunity, brother, huge opportunity. And also stop waiting for a saviour. Yeah, well, you are the saviour. If you just discover yourself you'll find that i mean and even if, if you believe in the savior what do you think he really wants to come down to this mess i mean are you really worth saving if you're going to comply with all this shit if you've never taken any responsibility for yourself what makes you think you're even worth saving if you're just sitting there thinking oh someone's gonna i can, I can just do all this and comply with with all this rubbish mm. not turn a blind eye to all the, the kids that are being killed and raped and destroyed and the murder and the wars and all this shit Saviour's coming. All I do is, is do what's in the book and it's all good. It says, I don't know anybody who actually is a practicing Christian. I don't know anybody who actually walks the path that Jesus showed them how to walk. 
And uh, I think if they did, well, yeah, perhaps they would change the world themselves. And uh, perhaps he'd want to come and uh, save them now. Perhaps that should be worth saving. Now, Maxwell has got about um, six minutes to go, guys. Um, I don't mind not wrapping it up. I've got about um, 15, 20 minutes before I've got to start putting some more things together for my show in another hour and 15. So if anyone feels the need, they'd like to call in about anything. Um, like I said, this has got about six minutes left, and um, you're most welcome to do so, okay? And um, that'll bring us up to 50. I'll just take a pass. Oh, well, sorry, it'll bring us up to pretty much spot on, yeah, right on the hour and a half mark. All right, and I'll probably drag it out to about 9.15 at the very most, so that'll give us a good 20 minutes of a bit of a yarn. If not, I'm just going to end the show, and um, I'll catch us all just um, after an hour or so from now. All right, I'll give him another six minutes. You know, I'll probably offend a lot of people with that, but hey, you know, I think this is a, a huge opportunity for us to change things ourselves, and it frustrates me to be able to see how easily it could be done if people would just get that unity of focus, you know. Or you can come back in in one hour and um, I'll, I'll be starting, like I said, one hour 15 from now and then another hour and 15 after that. So two and a half hours from now, you can come in and I'll have an open line for 45 minutes, guys. So whatever pleases you, if you're around at that time and about another two and a half hours on the dot pretty much, Come on in, have a yarn, and um, anything goes, guys. You know, it doesn't have to be anything about what I've presented. It can be something in your life you'd like to get off your chest um, or just even, um, you know, promote your own show or someone else's show or shows that you really like um, around the pot of roomy. All right, guys, keep him going. But, um, I mean, I think I think the, the more dystopian it gets, then, you know, the more people are getting forced to a point where they have to wake up and they have to be account. I mean, once once someone loses everything, you, you, you become truly free. So uh, the problem is most people are in, in fear of death. They want to do anything they can to, you know, you, you're living in a prison and it's getting more and more prison-like and you're doing everything you can just to get one more day in prison. <laughs> and you're giving away your soul a little bit more. Every time you comply with something that you know is wrong, you know is bad for you, you know, makes you feel bad, destroys your life, limits your potential a little bit more, but I'll do it, I'll just do it. If I keep complying and giving away a little bit more of my soul every time, then eventually I'll be free. No, no, it doesn't work that way. They just keep taking. It's what they do. So what point are you going to say, well, hang on, no, I'm not going to do this anymore? Because if you're scared of death, well, death's the one part of life which is inevitable. And perhaps it's what happens after death, which is the main event. Perhaps this is just the exam and uh, we're, we're not really passing the tests with exactly flying colours at the moment, I would suggest perhaps we could uh, do things a little bit differently. So, you know, when you get to that point where you, you have lost everything because you think that everything is the trappings of society, when it isn't, it's it's you, well, you know, maybe things will change. I always reflect on a, a guy I met on the beach, on Venice Beach, 85 years old, sitting on the beach one day crying. And I walked up to him and I said, well, what's, what's the matter? Why are you crying? And he's saying, because I realised I could have done this 70 years ago. I could have just sat on the beach because that's all I really wanted to do is sit on the beach and go surfing and enjoy the surf. But I did all that other stuff. I got a car and I got a life and I got business and I became, you know, this and that and did all this shit that I thought was important. And all I really wanted to do was sit on the beach. I missed out on, on me. I had all this stuff that wasn't me. And now I've just found me and now I'm 85 years old and I'll be dead soon. And I could have done this 70 years ago. Profound, you know. 
Yeah, that's what we've got an opportunity to do this, brother. We've got an opportunity to change things. It's got to get this only. You know, humankind, like I said, we reached a point of spiritual bankruptcy. So now it's in your face. And all those people who are spiritually bankrupt have been given an opportunity to kill themselves with a jab, and many of them are doing it. So, well, it's just the way it works. You know, you can think of it as a form of soul purification because at mm -hmm. the end of all this, the ones that are going to be left are the ones who didn't take the jab, the ones who didn't comply, the ones who stepped out of it and sought to, you know, take the human spirit forward, uh, didn't get locked into the mainframe. So, yeah, it, it, I guess it has to be this way. I mean, you know, what else, what else can you do? But, yeah, it's an opportunity. Don't lose hope. Anybody don't lose hope. You know, just get some focus and look at the bigger picture. Don't think people are coming to save you. And it isn't about that at all. It's about you. It's about what you do with this experience yourself and how you grow through this experience and the opportunities for growth that this is providing. Where can I follow you? Follow me. Well, you can you can tune into my staff. I don't think you should follow me. I think you should follow your art and yourself. <laughs> you can you can tune in to catch up with what I'm saying and the opinion that I'm giving on things. <laughs> At uh, thecrowhouse.com is my website, which is an old HTML website. Doesn't look good on a cell phone. You can thank me later. And uh, you can find me on on BitChute and Odyssey. You'll see all the links on my homepage. If you go to thecrowhouse.com. You'll just see a face. Just click the face to enter, and uh, you might have to expand it if you're on one of those little scrying or phony things, you know. And uh, just click BitChute or Odyssey, and you'll find. Or you can go radio, and you'll, they'll take you to my radio archives. There's like radio archives going back to 2008. There's over 2,000 pages on the Crow House website. There's uh, article archives going back as far as 2008 as well. A lot of them are dead <laughs> links now, and I've kept that there that way so that people can see how the internet is actually being deleted page by page. Websites are being deleted page by page. Information is being removed. And uh, so you can go, that's an interesting thing, just going back through my archives and seeing how many of those links actually still work. Well, the, the heading, wow, that's interesting, I've got to read that, click 404, you know. So it happens with a lot of it. So yeah, thecrowhouse.com, look for the Crow House on BitChute, look for the Crow House on uh, Odyssey, there's also a Vimeo page I've got there, which uh, Max Egan on Vimeo, and you'll find all six of my films on there. I made a film in, in 2012 called Transformation, which uh, talked about this whole AI takeover that was coming, and uh, everything's been vindicated in that film. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just go to thecrowhouse.com and you'll find all my stuff there or links to it. But just like I said, you're dealing with an old HTML website. I've also got forums on that website, and there's a lot of really good stuff posted in the forums. And if anybody from my forums actually happens to be watching this show, sorry, I haven't been there for the last two or three weeks. I've had a computer meltdown and all my passwords and everything's on my big computer. And I don't really want to use my laptop and change my password. And I mean, I guess I'm just being lazy, but you know, um, I'll be back in the forums soon. So uh, yeah, but thanks for having me on brother. Yeah, and we'll do it again. Max Egan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Always good. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com. Ah, oh, very good, very good. Yeah, he's a man he's a man of ideas, there's no doubt about that. The thing I really like too about him is that, you know, he gives you you know, a few options to go by as well, instead of just loom and gloom and all these other things, you know, that most people actually do.
And it's probably the first one I've never actually um, commented on during it. And I was doing a few things in the background. I just let him roll with his um, with the guy interviewing him. Uh, he's a he's a good uh, interviewer as well. I really enjoy him. He's got a good um, good character about him. And yeah, it really does make the show better when you have got someone that can actually do that. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to take it out with a song. If anyone feels the need to call in, like I said, about two and a half hours, I'll have an open line for 40 minutes, 45 minutes on the other show anyway. Seeing though I got um, tied up, I actually did a show last night for the first hour with the wrong folder. <laughs> but I pulled it off pretty good, actually. And then I got into the nitty and gritty, I guess you could call it. And I sort of didn't encourage an open line <laughs> in a polite way, if you know what I mean. But I would have done it if someone wanted to call in. <laughs> I give my word for sure. So I'm going to try and cut it a little bit shorter tonight and allow. I had actually a really good turnout, one of the best turnouts last night. That was really good. And quite a few double numbers in there. So, yeah, yeah, that was really good to see. The show's rolling along and um, coming along really nice the last few weeks. The new changes in old um, Uncle Ozman, that's a bloody sure. And I haven't even actually dropped an F-bomb um, the last fortnight, over fortnight as well, which is another big change for me. In my drunken old slurring days, I guess you could call it, <laughs> new and shined up and improved, there's no doubt about it, a bit of turtle wax and away we go. Yeah, 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 really enjoying the ride, guys, I'm really enjoying it. All right, yeah, yeah, Spirit, I haven't seen you for a while. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Ozman's had some changes, old mate. Yeah, that's right, he's seen the light, he's seen Zen, and away he went, you know what I mean? All right, I'm going to take it out with a song. If you feel the need to call in, just call in while I'm playing it. Um, but if I hit the leave button in about one minute, we won't be able to, because I can't touch nothing while it shuts down. <laughs> All right, you take care. I'll, I'll catch you all in the next episode of Max slash Strange Days. And um, Ila Kesh.